This is the Magellan Journal, a podcast series here to help you navigate EU opportunities. We remove the noise around current EU issues on different topics such as transport and environment, each time through the perspective of a different expert. Today we are speaking to Maria de Lourdes Chantunes, researcher and vice president at the Portuguese National Laboratory for Civil Engineering and president at the Forum of European National Highway Research Laboratories, FURL, about the New Horizon Euro program and the future trends related to transport and infrastructure. Hello, Maria de Lourdes, and thank you for joining us in this podcast. Could you please introduce yourself briefly and tell us a bit more about your current positions and the entities you represent? Yes, good morning. My name is Maria de Lourdes Antunes. I am a civil engineer and uh, with a PhD at the University of Lisbon. And I, I am now vice president of LNEC. LNEC stands for the National Laboratory of Civil Engineering in Portugal. But I'm also a researcher for many years, working in the field of transport uh, infrastructure. So I told you, LNEC is an organization which is devoted to research and development, focusing in many areas related to civil engineering. It's a state organization in Portugal, mm-hmm. and it was founded back in 1946. The main activities that we perform at this organization is research and innovation. We also perform some expert advice contracts and support to public institutions and policymakers. And also we give some support to the construction industry through testing, standardization, certification activities. Okay. Well, the main priorities, let's say, of a research organization like LNEC will be to cooperate with other research organizations like universities, similar organizations to ours or associations. So cooperation is part of our DNA. And this relates to the other organization that I represent, which is the Forum of European Highway Research Laboratories, FURL. This is an association of research organizations, which was initially created by 13 road research institutes in 1989, so institutes similar to LNEC, and uh, it has now grown to 30 countries, well, including some outside Europe, like uh, the USA or Israel. Okay, so you are wearing two hats of important institutions, both at national and international level. How do you juggle these two roles and where can we find synergies between the two? Well, I think, of course, there are a lot of uh, synergies and similarities between LNEC and other FURL members. As I told you, this started with uh, 13 organizations which are similar to ours. And most of the members have uh, a statute and some objectives which are similar to LNEC. So it's very good to uh, cooperate with the organizations that have common goals and collaborations in uh, joint projects. And FURL is an association which aims to provide like a coordinated structure to this cooperation between their partners. So FURL is governed by the directors of, of each of the institute. And we, we not only promote collaboration and common projects, but also we do a lot of sharing experiences. And for example, during this COVID crisis, we have indeed 
kept in contact and shared some of the ways that we address our problems. And of course, so this ability to share um, uh, some experiences with other people who have similar problems is, is very useful also for my daily work as a member of LNEC's board of directors. Well, now presently, I'm, I forget to tell you, I'm a president of Forum. This is a mandate for three years. I've been elected uh, last year, so I have two more years to go. But although I'm the president, the, of course, the very day-to-day -day management uh, of the association's activities is done by somebody else, by the, our secretary general. And also we have a group, a small group, which is an executive committee who takes care of this day-to-day uh, -day work. So actually, it doesn't pose a lot of extra work to me to be the president of the association. So your background is in science and you're quite involved in defining the R&D strategy of the entities that you represent. Could you tell us a bit more about the future trends related to transport and infrastructure? Well, actually, for both the organizations, 2020 could be an important year for thinking, rethinking future trends and rethinking our research strategy. The future uh, research related to, to transport and, uh, and infrastructure at LNEC will certainly and also at FURL be aligned with uh, Horizon Europe, but also with OECD goals for sustainable development. And in the case of LNEC, we will also for sure be aligned with our own goals for development in, in our country, in Portugal. At LNEC, for example, we are starting this year to prepare our new research and development and innovation strategy for a seven-year period, for 2020 to 2027. So in terms of time, this is aligned also to Horizon Europe. FURL has its own strategic agenda, which is called the SERP, Strategic mm -hmm. European Road Research Program. Uh, although it's not only road these days, but it has started as road research program and we are still using the same name. And uh, we are now in the process at FURL of reviewing the targets for SERP between 2020 and 2023. Can you maybe tell us what are the current targets that you are reviewing for the SERP 2020-2023? Yes, well, this uh, SERP program has, like, say, seven main uh, priorities related to research for roads and transport in general, because actually the more and more we are dealing with a system, not only one specific uh, transport mode. So these main priorities would be governance for implementation, digitalization, cross and multimodal integration, health and safety, carbon and environment, and maintenance and upgrading of uh, infrastructure, and finally, security and resilience. I believe I said all of them. Mm -hmm. So there is some kind of targets concerning each of these topics. And they have to be reviewed also because of the COVID crisis. 
and because things are changing so fast, for example, with the automation, this SERP uh, program is, is now being reviewed for the next three years. I mean, as opposed to having a, a program for, for many more years, we think that uh, we, we need to review it uh, now. I, I would like also to stress some of, of the topics. Maybe some new topics will arrive, or at least not new, but will more important, like health and safety or climate change. So I think even if we stay with the same priorities, we will need to revise them. And, and uh, well, I can um, also tell you in terms of important topics with this background of our present condition, will be certainly digitalization and big data and artificial intelligence. And this uh, together with automation, as I've told you, and decarbonization of transport, which is still a need. So, yeah, this will be certainly in the next agendas for, for research related to transport. Okay, then you mentioned something about the increased use of, of active transport modes related to the, to the current situation. Can you tell us something more about that? I mean, in the, this COVID crisis, people have somehow started to use more individual transport. And this is good in one way. If you change your public transport for a bicycle or walking, it's good because it's good for your health and, and also it, it will decrease congestion. But there are some problems that we need to tackle. If we have more people for example, cycling or using this new mobility like, like scooters. What's the mm -hmm. name? Yes, lines, yeah. maybe you will need to reorganize cities to have more space for these kind of users. But it's not just only having more space. You have to take care that people, they are taught to use this kind of transport and uh, safety should be also always in your background. So it will be, I think, an issue for research in the future. Well, one other issue, which was not mentioned before, but I think it's also in our background. It's not only the issue of climate change, of emissions to trans due to transport, but also circular economy and the organ reorganization of our society will also affect transport and transport infrastructures, for example. The way we build and maintain our infrastructures will, will have to be, let's say, more and more adapted to this new situation. Yes. So now on to Horizon 2020. Uh, it has been currently the reference program for your daily work. Uh, although it's not over yet, is it possible to draw some conclusions and assess the benefits it brought to R&D and innovation? Can you maybe summarize a few and tell us what are the scientific elements that the new Horizon Europe program should keep from Horizon 2020? Yeah, well, of course, I mean, in terms of research needs, well, we have talked about a little bit about research topics, but uh, also I would like to stress about Horizon 2020 and things that are good for the next Horizon Europe is that I think there was an increased focus on the use of research, let's say, not just research for itself, but to make it uh, with some practical value for society. And I think that focus will certainly also go on for the next uh, program, Horizon mm -hmm. Europe. And this also gives an awareness of the problems from both sides, from the researchers and from the society in general. 
Yeah, I could so, also name another example of, I think, a good thing uh, with Horizon 2020, uh, which is the priority for open research and um, open access to research results and also to share research facilities. And I think it's, it's also something that should go on in, in the future, hopefully. Well, another issue that I would like to mention, I think, which is in Horizon Europe and for sure, I hope it will go on, is, is also the increased importance of having multidisciplinary collaborations. So when you give an increased importance to societal issues, of course, you have to have not just the guys who are uh, researching on engineering problems, but also people from social sciences working together. And this is also very important because it will give you a better perspective for the products that you come up at the end of your research. Yes, and you have mentioned before that the transport sector has been heavily touched by the pandemic crisis. What are the new challenges to transport and infrastructure in the post-COVID-19 environment from your perspective? And what actions do you think are needed to implement in order to tackle them? Yeah, well, well this crisis had a big impact on everything, almost everything, and transport is, uh, is not an exception. During the crisis, there was a very uh, big drop on the demand for transport in general and public transport in, uh, in particular. And um, now that people are starting to go out uh, and work and uh, do their lives, there is a tendency uh, to use more individual transport. And of course, this is uh, very good. As, as I said before, if you change the public transport for an active mode, well, it's very good, but still you have to have your city adapted to it. But, all, but uh, if you change it for your car, uh, it's not so good. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, anyhow, we don't know. It's still a lot of uncertainty about how much we are going to recover in, in terms of transport needs. But still, we can say one of the issues that we have to tackle is, for the near future at least, is the lack of confidence in public transport. And this, regaining this confidence and ensuring is essential to ensure that uh, you have accessible and uh, I mean, everybody can move to their own lives. And so it's, it, uh, it, it requires that we enhance its relative uh, advantages and its safety. And I think there are a lot of tools available these days also, like uh, using uh, big data or artificial intelligence to improve the way people manage their lives and public transport as well. And also maybe some things would change as the way people work. And so this might also have a very good effect on, uh, on, for example, congestion. Anyway, I think we need to think about, as I told you, that we might need to reorganize some of our space in the cities. And we have come up during the COVID crisis, I think, with some uh, emergency solutions. For example, more uh, lanes for bicycles or whatever. But uh, these solutions we need to know. First of all, if we take some new solutions for emergency, we might think if we want them in the future. Or so normally it's good to take measures that you want to keep afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but also we need be take care that we should monitor the performance of these new solutions and also always having safety uh, and security in the back of our minds whenever you make uh, some changes. 
Looking towards the future, do you think a completely different mindset needs to be adopted for transport and mobility in accordance to the just published EC recovery investment plan for the next generation EU? Oh, yes, of course. I think, well, uh, with or without the investment, anyway, the, um, the EC recovery investment plan is aligned with the, the EU Green Deal, which is an important document that sets a very ambitious goal for 90% reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. And transport is, of course, an essential element when you want to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We will, for sure, aim at reducing road transport, which, if you look at all transport modes together, is now responsible for 70% of emissions. I mean, road has a lot of advantages like flexibility and the ability to reach to the very last mile. So there's no way that we can shift a lot to other transport modes. So there will be, of course, uh, other priorities to compensate more investment on on clean transport. Uh, For example, using alternative fuels, also uh, more intelligent uh, mobility and Whenever we can use a cleaner transport, there should be more incentives, economic incentives. They should be part of the game, Mm -hmm. of course, if we want a cleaner transport. But all this has to change also in our minds. We need a new culture for the mobility, for people in fright. And this can only be done uh, not just with a radical change that now you cannot use your car, but through a collaborative and uh, co-creation of of some pathways and action plans for EU member states and mobilizing people to to change and society Mm -hmm. to change in general. Yes, that's an important part, shifting people's mindsets. So finally, could you tell us what were for you some lessons learned from the current crisis in relation to transport and mobility? Well, it is, it has Suddenly, we, we were faced with an emergency and this has boosted a lot the digital economy. I mean, there was a lot of tools that we had already, like the one we are using now to talk. And that were not, I mean, they were used, but not so much as it is now. So we have very fast everywhere adopted remote working forms and for working also for meeting using technological platforms and um, this proved to be quite effective and a lot of uh, benefits to traffic congestion and to increase our productivity. So, I mean, when faced with an emergency, we we were able to adapt very fast and uh, this, well, this shows how people are. We are really able to adapt very fast to new situations. And this is a very, I think, will have a good impact on, at least on environment. Of course, things will go a little bit back to normal during these days, but I think we will keep some of these uh, good things. So hopefully we will already, you know, going in the direction that we were talking about before, mm-hmm. a new culture, clean transport and uh, clean mobility. Yes, I agree. Well, that was it from my side. Thank you very much, uh, Maria Ludes, for answering our questions and for this interesting uh, conversation. And I wish you a very nice rest of the day. Yes, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. And thank you for having me at your podcast. 
If you like this podcast and want to know more about Magellan, check out our website on www.magellan-association.org.